Praise God. Isn't it awesome that he calls us out from where we are, like the song was saying? Because I know I am so thankful, so blessed that he called me out from where I was because I was not in a good place. It was not a horrible place, and I thought life was good. And I didn't want to deal with him, really. You know, I had a life. But he kept calling me, and he kept calling me. Now here I am. So praise God for calling me. We serve a mighty, mighty God. So everybody just put your hands up and say, God, we worship you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your presence here, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Father. We worship you and praise your holy name. You are an awesome, mighty God, Lord. Lord, we come to you tonight and we thank you, Father, for this time with you. We thank you, Lord, that every word out of my mouth will be something that I have heard from you, something you have given me, Lord, in our private time. Lord, I thank you that every word out of my mouth glorifies your holy name and edifies someone here tonight, Lord. Let it touch someone here tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you that you sent your only son here to this earth in flesh to walk out a plan that you had to reconcile us back to you, God, and that when you took him, you left the Holy Spirit. You sent the Holy Spirit that is inside of us today guiding us, guiding us, Lord, talking to us and teaching us, Lord. We thank you, Holy Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Started off with just a few people here tonight. Now the house is full. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay, I think I need my Bible and my notes. That would help. Thank you. Okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Holy Father. I was, when we were in worship, I was singing the song, the great, um, that he is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Isn't it awesome that he is alive? He is alive. Do you realize that or do you just sing it? Do you believe it? Do you know it? Do you know he is alive and he is here with us tonight? He is all around us. He is in everything. He is the great I am. Yes, he is. Praise you, Lord. He is in everything that he has created. He is in it. He spoke it. He is in it. He is functioning in it. He is in the earth and in the heavens and in us. He is alive inside of us, and he is moving and creating at all times. So praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tonight, we're going to get into our teaching, and we are going to talk about reconciliation. Reconciliation. And when we think of reconciliation... We think of a coming together, two things that were separated, a coming together, uh, a forgiveness of each other when people are not getting along together with each other, um, making things compatible, making them get along, reconciliation. Well, the Bible talks of reconciliation, reconciliation, as to bring into a relationship. 
The word reconciliation in the Bible that I'm going to be discussing tonight means to bring something into a relationship. So to bring it into a relationship, it must not have been in a relationship before, right? Right? Yes. Okay. Come on, guys. Wake up. I'm like Carrie. You got to communicate with me. Let's go. All right. So let's put up on the screen. Man, Carl, he's the only man here tonight. He's in charge. He's the big guy. Oh, Lee's helping. Okay, Lee's back there too. Thank you, Lee. Let's put up Colossians 1, 20 through 23. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. Colossians 1, 20 through 23. And by him to reconcile all things to himself by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, and you, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. So there you are. There's the separation. We're alienated. We're enemies. Your mind, enemies in your mind by wicked works. Do you think you could have wicked works in your mind? You can. You might be the sweetest, most precious, little, innocent, nice person, but Satan works in mysterious ways, and you can have those wicked works in your mind. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight in whose sight in God's sight if indeed you continue in the faith if look at the word if he's going to present you holy if if you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel God's word which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. And Paul is doing the talking here. Okay. So go back to verse 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight so Jesus went to the cross and that's what we're talking about Jesus had to be Jesus had to reconcile us back to God the, so that relationship was broken right our relationship with God was broken since it needed to be reconciled well did we all break it well yeah we have broken it but it was broken by Adam the fall of man he was the first one who came. He was in a relationship with God. He sinned and he broke. That relationship that God wanted from the beginning. So was God, like, you know, when, um, I'm getting ahead of myself, hold on. So it was man that broke the relationship. God did not break the relationship. God did not turn his back on men and man and say, Oh, well, you've sinned. Now let me just go over here and create a whole other place and you can just have your way. No. It was man 
who had something inside of him that broke the relationship. It wasn't God himself. God never stopped desiring and wanting the relationship. But there had to be an atonement. Man had sinned and welcomed Satan in. There had to be an atonement for our sins, for our transgressions, and for our, our iniquities that man was doing against God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Just imagine it in your brain. Can you imagine a friend that was constantly against everything good that you were trying to pour into their life? If Robin and I were friends and we were good to each other and then something happened and she got an offense against me and I was still being good to her and pouring into her and loving on her and calling her, but that offense made her turn from me and not want anything to do with me, but I'm still loving on her, but she wants nothing to do with me. She keeps turning her back on me, wanting nothing to do with me. Can you imagine that? That would break my heart. I would still want to be her friend. I would still want to be her friend, yet she's choosing to do other things. And let's go to Romans 5, 6 through 8. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. He came to earth, he walked out his purpose, and he went to the cross. He was beaten, he was nailed to the cross, and he died for what? For the ungodly. And yes, during that time, the world was ungodly. There wasn't much of God in it at all. But are we at times now ungodly? Yes, we still are at times. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. It wouldn't be so bad to die for somebody you thought was a great, honest man. Somebody wonderful and amazing. So if you, if you had to die for them, okay. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, God died for us. We sinned against him. He knew we sinned against him. And he knew that now, even after he sent Jesus, he knew that we would sin against him. Can you imagine having a friend that treats you that way? You wouldn't want to lay down your life for them and die for them, would you? But he did because he loves us that much. That is what God was dealing with with us. And even so, even so, he sent his son Jesus to break off everything and become human flesh and be beaten and die on the cross for us, for what we have chosen in our flesh, what we have let Satan come in and talk us into. Well, let's look back at what the cross represents. Number one, he broke our bondage to Satan. He put Satan in his place. You are defeated and he is an overcomer and forgave us of all of our transgressions and iniquities. He 
forgave us and Satan was defeated. That in itself is thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. But there's more. And a lot of people don't want to know the more. That's all they want to do. Let me do what I want to do. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I am saved. I am going to heaven. But leave me alone. I got stuff to do that my flesh wants to do. Do they realize, though, that he died for our peace and our well-being? He wants to bring us peace. And, oh, his peace is amazing. And number three, when he died on the cross, he brought reconciliation. Everybody say it. Reconciliation. He brought reconciliation of our healing physically and spiritually back to God where he put us in the first place. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when he did it, he said, it is finished. But do we believe it's finished? Do we accept it's finished? It is finished finished he had completed his fleshly purpose that God had sent him for on the cross he died on the cross he went into the tomb he went to hell and he put Satan in his place and he was resurrected and those were the reasons why so we have to stand before God and we have to receive it. It doesn't just happen automatically. You have to receive it. You have to say yes to God, yes to Jesus' death on the cross. You have to hold on to it and you have to receive it and believe in it and live it. Not just for forgiveness of our sins. Yeah, people want to hold it for that. People want to believe it for that. But for your peace, for the greatest peace, and for reconciliation to be in a relationship with your Lord, with the God Almighty, that's what you have to get into. That's what you have to accept. That's what you have to work for. It's not work, but it's what you have to desire and want. We have to become his friend and step into that sonship that we now have because of the cross. His adoption as your father who meets all of your needs more so than your earthly father ever would. Be transformed from being a sinner to being righteous. You must accept the reconciliation as well as the salvation. Let's go to Romans 5, 9 through 11. Romans 9, 5, 9 through 11. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Praise you, Lord, for your reconciliation back to God, not just to be saved one day, but the relationship now that we can have. Jesus' sinless flesh took on all of our fleshly sins. What we have chosen to do in the flesh and sinned, Jesus took it all onto his flesh. They took it and they poured it on to him and he did it willingly. So now Jesus can present us to God as pure and holy. So when God looks at us, he sees us as pure and holy. When he's looking down on us, he sees us as pure and holy because of what Jesus did and how Jesus presents us to God. You have to realize you are a new creature in God. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to get it right first. I have heard so many people say, well, yeah, I'm out. Um, you know, I've got this. I've got that. I'm an alcoholic. As soon as I get cleaned up, I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to start that God thing. You know, I have this unforgiveness toward this person. And they really did me wrong. As soon as I get over that, I'm going to start coming to church. You don't have to do a thing. You can't do it. All you have to do is get before God and he will do it. Let go of everything that you have created, that you think you are. Kenrick, remember my message the other day about who do you think you are? That's got to die. That's got to die. Whatever you have created, whatever you think you are, that's got to die. And then you can ask God who you are and he will show you. Well, I had trouble doing that. I didn't feel I was good enough. Satan kept reminding me of my past sins. I knew Jesus had died on the cross for me. I knew I was going to heaven. But I just didn't think I was the one. You know, that's those other people. I'm not them. And Satan let me, kept telling me I wasn't them. You'll never be good enough. He kept holding me back. I had to confess and get before God and go to the Jabbok and fight with God over things I had done because I didn't believe God could wipe it all away. Satan had planted shame deep down inside of me. And once I went to the Jabbok and then I confessed my sins, there was an amazing growth inside of me. Jesus let go. I know. Just let go. You have to just let go of your sins. You have to let go of the shame, the rejection, and the unforgiveness. Because even though I knew about this, I really didn't picture it and I'm a visual so so um 
Robin, come here. Carrie, come here. Wait a minute. You stand there. Robin is God. Carrie is Jesus. And I'm me, little old me over here, who has all this. And Satan keeps reminding me of it. Well, Jesus died on the cross. The cross. So that when he holds it up, and Jesus, who died for me, for me, for you, for each one of us in here. When he died for me, he can present me to God as pure and holy through the cross. But you have to accept it. And I didn't want to accept it because Satan kept reminding me of this. And as long as I was holding on to this, this is what I put in front of the cross. I did not accept the cross, even though God accepted it. And God looked at me as pure and holy, yes. But me, I didn't feel good enough. I didn't accept that. This is how I thought God saw me. My sins that I had done. And Satan kept reminding and kept reminding and kept reminding me that I wouldn't ever be good enough. Thank you. Thank you. So just let go and accept your reconciliation to God. And know he sees you as whole. But you must accept your healing. Well, let me tell you a story about Jacob and the Jabbok. Some of you might not know what going to the Jabbok is. Um, I taught on a Wednesday night one time, and my whole teaching was about Jacob and Esau. And they are the twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And Isaac is the son of Abraham. And I'm not going to get into the whole story because it would take way too long. But um, Jacob swindled his way through his life. He kind of swindled his brother's entitlement of his confirmation and his blessing. The oldest son always received the father's blessing. His, he would hand down what he was entitled to. But they were twins, and Jacob had always wanted it, and Esau really didn't want it. And, well, Jacob kind of swindled it in trickery, and he got his father's blessing instead of Esau. And Rebekah and Jacob used trickery and swindling to steal the blessing from God. Jace, Isaac's blessing from God, Jacob stole it. So Jacob had to run because Esau was going to kill him. His mother was like, run, get out of here. He's, they're going to kill you. So he stole the blessing from God, and then he ran away. He couldn't face it. He was gone and living what, with what he had done, what his mother told him to do, what Satan had convinced him to do. He ran with it, and he lived for 21 years holding on to that. Holding on to that sin. Jacob ran away. And then he was deceived himself. Which you sow is what you reap. He was deceived. He worked seven hard years. And the man promised, his uncle promised him his beautiful daughter in marriage. 
And then he woke up after his honeymoon, and ooh, it was not the sister he wanted. And she wasn't the pretty one either. So he had to work seven more years for the one he really desired. He lived his life <clears throat> holding on to that sin. He never really focused on it or thought about it, and he wasn't a godly man. It never tells us in the Bible that he was a prayer person or that he worshipped or that he, he, it just said he was busy, that he was a busy and worked out in the heat all day and he was busy. So it never really talked about whether he had a relationship with God or not. And then one day God told him after 21 years, go home. It's like, what? He had to go back and face what he had done what he had chosen to do in his flesh that was not of God. And he had been running from it for 21 years. He was going back and he sent all that he had as a sacrifice in front of him. As a sacrifice in front of him. He sent what he had as a sacrifice. Do we have to send things as a sacrifice? No, because Jesus did it for us. But he sent his stuff ahead as a sacrifice to his brother. And he stayed by himself at the Jabbok. The Jabbok is a brook, a stream. And the word Jabbok represents a pouring out, an emptying of oneself. And that's exactly what Jacob had to do that night at the Jabbok. He sent everything across he was out there in the wilderness by a stream by himself. Nothing around. No children screaming. No wife nagging. Nothing there but him and his thoughts. And when you're in the quiet, don't you have those thoughts? Don't you hear those thoughts? Well, that night he wrestled with what grabbed a hold of him him something grabbed a hold of him and he wrestled with it what wrestles with you what thoughts do you have what have you grabbed a hold of that you don't want to let go Jacob had 21 years of thoughts to deal with for 21 years years he was holding on well that night at the Jabbok those thoughts were driving him crazy he was fighting with him and fighting with him and fighting with him and fighting with him and no and you know Satan was telling him one thing but then God was telling him something else and he had these thoughts in his mind and he laid by the brook and he fought 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 all night long and he finally said, I am not letting go until you bless me. But guess what? God had already blessed him. What he had to do was let go of the past. And he didn't want to. He didn't know how to. He didn't know how to say, okay, God, you come and do it for me. So he wrestled with those thoughts because he couldn't just let them go and lay them down and be washed by the brook. So he fought all night 
long. And he held on to God, and he held on to God, and he held on to God because he knew it was his God, and he knew God was mightier, and he knew God would wash away all the stuff. But guess what? Some things we have planted down so deep inside of us that God can't just, doesn't just go, bloop, it's done in an instant. You don't just walk in and say, okay, God, forgive me, and whoop, it's done. Oh, yay, I am a great creature. No. It takes time. It takes work. It's his work. He cleanses and he works. He cleanses and he works. But it's on one thing at a time. One thing at a time. If he just jerked everything that wasn't of you out, it it would kill you. He works on one thing at a time. And we talked about that tonight. How we go through different stages. We're in different seasons. We go from person to man to man to man. And he builds more of himself in us. And we realize things along the way that we need to change or we need to get rid of. And he washes those things. But that night at the Jabbok, Jacob didn't want to let go of that. He didn't want to let go of that. And I don't know if you've ever heard my teaching on the roots, but I had a vision once of little roots. God was pulling little roots out of my head. And the little tiny roots, I don't know if you're a weeder, but some weeds will just come right up with a little weed and they just come out easy. And those are the things that Satan has planted in our head. Thoughts that Satan brings towards us. And God pulls those out easily. But sometimes over the years... If we hold on to something long enough, Satan gets it planted deep down inside of you. And that's one of those roots. I don't know if you've seen the big bushes. And you can, you can pull on it and pull on it with all of your might. And it's not coming up. Because the roots are twisted and turned and embedded and deep. And that's what Satan does with some thoughts we're holding on to. The thoughts we hold on to over the years and over the years and over the years have to let God wash them away. Okay, so hold on to God, especially when it hurts. Get sick of holding on to what is keeping you from God and grab a hold of God and don't let go. Let go of everything else. But God, even the things that you think God can't forget or forgive, something you've done, God will never forgive me. Allow him to wash it away. And when Jacob came face to face with Esau, guess what? Esau had already forgiven him and forgotten it. He didn't want to come and kill him and take everything he had. He said, no, I don't want any of your stuff, brother. I love you. Welcome home. The relationship had already been reconciled. Jacob didn't even know it. Jacob was still thinking, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. But the relationship had already been reconciled. Let God take it and give you a new reconciliation back to him. Know and allow yourself to be reconciled back to God. Because when he looks at you through Jesus, he only sees you as pure and holy. Because Jesus is presenting you to God that way.
Jacob held on to his flesh. His transgressions for 21 years. He allowed it to block his reconciliation back to his family, back to his God. I did the same thing. Have you ever held on to something that you knew you should let go of? I held on to a sin just like Jacob did for 20-something years. I didn't think God would ever forgive me for that. I held on to shame. I held on to shame. I, this precious little sweet girl, got a blessing from God one day. I was pregnant. But it wasn't when I wanted it. It wasn't the right time for me. So I walked into that abortion clinic and I had an abortion. And I thought, okay, it was very early. This is it's not a life. It's nothing. I, I couldn't be pregnant. Now I, had, I was still in, I couldn't finish college. I'd never amount to anything. I'd have to drop out. Think of the shame I would bring to my family. Think of the shame I would bring to my mother and the father. I couldn't imagine standing before them and telling them that their precious little sweet page was pregnant. No. So I lived my life. I even married the same man later. So that in my mind was, you know, it's okay because we'll have more children and it'll be okay because of that. No. Well, for 20-something years, just as Jacob did, I let Satan remind me of that. I held on to that shame. He reminded me I'd be happy for a while. I'd be fine. But every once in a while, every once in a while, every once in a while, I'd hear a song. I'd see a movie. I'd hear somebody talk. I'd hear people talk about people that had had abortions. And, oh, did you hear about her? Oh, isn't that just horrible? That pathetic little thing went and did that. And I'm thinking the whole time, yeah, that was me. I'm that pathetic little thing. And Satan would just fight me and fight me and let me know how pathetic I was. And I'd be riding down the road sometimes and just crying my eyes out, crying my eyes out, God, why? God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I'd be on my knees, but God, I am so sorry. I can't go back and change it. There's nothing I can do about it now. It happened. I made that choice. I asked God to forgive me many, many, many times God forgive me God forgive me and I knew that God had forgiven me yet this wouldn't go away Satan wasn't letting go of what he had planted inside of me so one day we were um, we were at another ministry and they were talking about the spots and they were saying whatever you connect with whatever you connect with you've got to come up and confess and I was like That's way down here, nobody, because there were only three people in this whole entire world who knew about it. 
the man it was with, me and Carrie. And nobody else was going to know that about me. So I was worshiping while other people were going up, and I heard, confess it. And I was like, oh, nope. <laughs> Nothing else up there. I'm not, I have unfor- don't have unforgiveness. I don't have shame because that's way down there. Nobody will ever know that. Nope, 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 not letting go. Nope, not letting go. But I heard, confess, confess, confess. And I was like, I am not telling any of these ministers in here that I did that. Mm-hmm. So I did. I walked up to Lee. And I looked her in the face. And she was up there with all these people. And she was worshiping. She was like, what is it, Paige? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I have something to tell you, but I can't tell you. I honestly said that. She said, oh, what is it? It's okay. I was like, no, it's not. And she was joking around, and we were joking around about it. She was like, just tell me. And I said, I can't. She was like, you have to. What is it? And I confessed. I leaned over. I couldn't say it out loud. I leaned over, and I whispered it in her ear. And I can't say that it felt better all of a sudden because it didn't. I was thoroughly embarrassed. And she said, okay. Now you have to go down the line and tell the others. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> I told you, that's good enough. I confessed. No, you have to speak. So I was like, okay, whatever. So let me go up here. These other people I really didn't know, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I was like, okay. Lee's the one that I was really blew my mind. But I did it, and I confessed, and I confessed, and I confessed, and I confessed. And I walked out of there thinking it would just, okay, it's all going to be better. It's all going to be better. It wasn't. It was, it was better, but it wasn't better. And so I remember going before God and saying, okay, God, I confessed it. I've asked you to forgive me. Why do I still feel this shame? Because if you died for my sins to reconcile me back to God, and you forgive my sins... Then forgive me. Why is Satan still coming at me with this? And I had to get before God at the jabak. At the jabak. I couldn't just say, okay, God, forgive me. Oh, I confessed it. Okay. Oh, I'm all good now. I'm all good. No, I had to get before my God at the jabak. And I had to fight with what I had been holding on to and allowing Satan to plant inside of me for 21 years. And I had to fight and I had to cry and I had to plead and I had to beg and I had to lay myself down at the feet of Jesus and just pour myself out on him. And he poured himself out on me. And yes, I have not felt one bit of shame since then. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise my heavenly Father who forgives all. Thank you, Jesus. And a couple of weeks later, which, no, I have not felt any shame since that day that I did that. A couple of weeks later, I had a vision, and I was walking in heaven with my grandmother who passed away. And it we weren't talking and had carrying on a conversation. We were just walking down a street in heaven. 
And all of a sudden, these three little baby angels, they were babies like this one back here, this little girl, precious little girl. And they had wings and they were flying around. There were three of them. And after I was married and years later, I had two miscarriages. I couldn't get pregnant. And so two of those little angels were the babies I miscarried. But the third one was the baby that I born. And that little baby came flying around me and kissed me on the cheek and said to me, I forgive you. I forgive you. And then the three little babies just went flying off again, just as happy as ever. So I know in my heart of hearts that God forgives me. Praise God. Praise you, Lord. So you have to accept that you are seated in heavenly places with your Father. God and Jesus at his right hand and you are also seated next to Jesus in heavenly places. When others see you, they should see God because of the relationship that you have built with God in your private time. They should see nothing but God shining through you and speaking through you because all that you should be speaking is what you hear from God in your private time. Colossians 3.1 tells us, let's read it, Colossians 3.1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And let's read Ephesians 2 6. Ephesians 2 6. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, yes, you are in Christ Jesus. You are sitting next to God and this is what God is looking at you through his son who died for you who put you into those heavenly places we are seated in heavenly places with God's resurrection power and authority that raised him from that grave the resurrection power is in us if God is in all, then speak to all. Speak to those things. When we listen, he speaks. He is speaking when we speak. If we listen to him and speak what he is speaking. Do you get that? You get what I'm saying? I feel like I'm rambling there. So take authority over every circumstance that has attempted to ruin your life. Take authority over every unclean spirit that is destroying your family, your sicknesses, your depression, 
your discouragement. Remind Satan that Jesus defeated him. And I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who died on that cross and put you in your place, Satan. Keep speaking it and speaking it to whatever is inside of you that is holding on. Keep speaking it and speaking it. And we're going to end with Romans 8. Well, you don't even have to go there. Romans 8, 11 through 17 says that we are joint heirs with God. We are joint heirs. So keep reminding Satan of that. And start living like you are a joint heir of the Lord God Almighty. Now my husband is going to come and finish up this teaching for tonight. Okay? Is that okay? All right. That don't get you in the feel. Something's wrong with your feeler. Wow. Praise God. I am so proud of my wife. She is an amazing woman. A true gift that God has given and blessed me with. Um, I'm just going to cover one scripture. It's not going to be long. Um, I like the fact that when we confess when we begin to confess our sin, she had been bound up for so long. But when we begin to confess that in transparency, there's a healing that takes place. It comes over you. And you know, it doesn't feel good to have to confess something to you. And no, I'm not about to ask you to come up and confess stuff. So be at peace. But you know, I know, I know there's somebody about there going, oh no, he ain't going to do that. No, but let, me, but let me say this. When we begin to confess, now if, if you will go, um, Carl, to um, uh, uh, James 5.16, please. Give me the amplified version. I just want to show you something that happens. Confess to one another, therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, is James, if you go and read this passage, James is talking about physical health as well. Because sometimes we hold on to things and it's the very root. It is the very root of your sickness, your physical sickness, because you've buried it and you've hid it and you've caused a shame. Nobody could know that about me. If they know that about me, what would they think? It would tarnish my reputation if they knew that about me. But God already knows that about you and he's wanting to free you from that so you don't have to struggle and go through this anymore. See, when I married Paige, I dealt with this mightily. She was broken, broken with it. 
deep. And you know how you know? You know how you know you've been delivered? Because now you can stand up here and you can talk about it. And you can tell the world because somebody else is going to be delivered from the testimony that you give from it. Amen? Amen? So no, I'm not going to ask you to come up here and take the mic. The only reason anybody should ask you to do that is if you brought an offense to the whole body, then you would be asked to do that. But this is what I want to say to you. I want you to use spiritual wisdom here because it says confess to one another. Well, whom should I confess to? Use spiritual wisdom. We always go up the ladder. We always go up the ladder of authority. Be wise in who you talk to. You need to be confessing to someone who is not going to hold judgment on you. Who is not going to speak judgment on you. Is only going to love you through the circumstance and see you as Jesus. Oh, I love this. Going to see you as God is looking through the cross. Looking through the blood-stained cross at you. Amen? A minister who is a righteous man or woman that is in right standing with the Father. Amen? See, this is instruction. This is, the, this is absolutely instruction. Confess. He's telling you to confess it because there's something when I speak it out of my mouth, it is now not a secret. It now becomes delight. And now it forces you to have to go to God, grab on at, at, what, at the jabak. That was a place of crossing over. It forces you to deal with it. Amen? Do you want to keep stuff hidden all your life? You know, let me tell you a little testimony I struggle with. No secret. I'm fourth generation that is the fourth generation that God freed from alcoholism. Father, grandfather, great grandfather, all were alcoholics. I watched my dad tied to a bed in a hospital screaming at me to help me with demons coming out of the wall. He said, they're coming to get me. I dealt with this as a very young man and at about 28 years old, I was still dealing with this with my father and he's sitting there and my dad is crying to me and my dad's gone. He died when I was 33 years old. But as I did that, he looked at me and he held his arms out as to say, son, and I couldn't because I was so tired of dealing with that problem with my dad. Come on now, this is real. This is going back. We're talking about reconciled to God, but be reconciled to one another as well. Reconciliation, bringing back into relationship. And me and my dad, we got it all right and everything was good. But for years, it haunted me after that I didn't hug my dad. But my dad was reaching out saying, hug me, son, hug me. And I couldn't because I just wanted it. I couldn't. I, I wasn't equipped to help him. If only I could have had that, that, that opportunity to talk to my dad and say, Dad, I'm sorry about that one time. 
Come on, is anybody with me? I'm sorry about that one time I didn't get to say, I'm sorry. I just got a phone call in the middle of the night at 33 years old and told me my dad was dead. I never had that opportunity for that one situation. Has anybody ever had that happen to you? Just that one situation that you wish that you could just go back for five minutes and redo, I want to do over God. Come on, raise your hand. Make me feel like you're human tonight. Thank you. Just have five minutes just to go back and redo. But sometimes life doesn't afford us another five minutes. Come on, amen. We don't have the, we don't have the guarantee that we walk out of the store tonight that we don't meet God. We don't have that guarantee. So if there's any relationships that need to be reconciled, brought back into relationship, become compatible again, today is the day. Now is the hour. Don't wait any longer. Make it happen. Be done with it. So you can stand up here as a testimony to God and say, look what the Lord has done. Amen? Oh my goodness. I'll read this one more time. I'm bringing to a close because my wife has done a wonderful job tonight. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Put the New King James Version up for me, please, sir. In that same verse. I'm going to cover one more thing. We're getting close. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Does anybody know what fervent means? Now I want to tell you why it's important that you go up the chain of authority and that you know who you're confessing to. Because the fervent righteous man, he would take you to prayer to God and fervent means an intensity. An absolute earnesty before God for you to be delivered from that do you understand one that's not going to hold any kind of judgment amen mark would you hit those lights for me in the back back there the two switches just switch them down i'm not going to go on long i promise but if i do it'll be okay amen Paige, i want you to come back up please I'm going to say this. I'm not going to be perfect until Jesus splits the sky and I take on a glorified body. But I stand before you 
I'm in right standing with the Lord. And I want to say to everybody tonight, if there's something that you've been holding for 20 years and you need to, you need to get rid of it tonight, it needs to end. Girls, I know there's things that you can't say to a man. That's why I've got Paige. If you can't say it, and it's so painful and so hurtful to you, write it down. Give it to her. We will take it to our altar at home. And I give you my word, I will be the fervent man that takes this to God in prayer for you. Somebody say amen. I'm not going to go long. Men, if there's something that you need to say, I'm right here. You can come tell me in my ear or you can write it down if you can't speak it. But if you begin to speak it, there is healing that will begin to flow. If you can confess it, and we'll begin to pray for one another. Amen? Amen? In honor of the Lord, just for a minute, can I have everybody stand to their feet? Bring that music up just a little bit for me, Carl. Just going to give it a minute. I'm going to open this up. If you would like to come, please come. God wants to deliver you if you're holding it. Start the healing process. Amen? Don't be burdened down anymore. This is a safe place. Nobody judges you. I'm only going to love you. I'm only going to pray for you just as that word, that word instructs. Amen.